It's April the 19th, 2012. This is Five Way to Show About Worcester. I'm Mike Benedetti at the Dive Bar. Today on the show is Brendan Mellican. Brendan, how are you? Doing spectacular. How are you, Mike? I'm doing okay. Today on the show, we're going to talk about beer pong, being at the Zorth of Dive. We're going to talk about Twitter. We're going to talk about veganism. Uh, Brendan, how are you doing? Spectacular. We covered that one already. Oh, okay. And how am I doing? I don't even remember now. You were okay. I was okay. Are you? Is there any? Is there any top stories of the week? There's this thing about the Ford kid. Yeah, there's this thing about a Ford kid, and you know, I don't know. It, it's not necessarily a top story for Worcester. It seems to be a top story for Dear Spiegel. Okay. Um, it seems all all of Europe is is, is a flutter about a uh, a Worcester resident uh, who has determined that he needs to be a strong supporter um, of. Help me out with the guy's name the here. The Finnish guy. The, uh, guy from, yeah, in Norway who... Norwegian who, guy. Who went off and slaughtered 77 people in, a, uh, in the course of a long day. Uh, yes. We've got one jerk from Worcester who... Speaking out on his behalf. Yeah, and I mean, I guess everybody needs a thing. This kid's thing is pretty atrocious. Potentially this kid is also from Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, uh, Assumption College, uh, yeah. be set to graduate 2012. May or may not be a St. John's graduate, uh, class of 08. Uh, may or may not have been arrested in February for assault and battery on his girlfriend. Uh, yeah, but nice guy. All right. Well, anyway, so this is the big thing this week is that some some assumption student has spoken out on behalf of a uh, mass murderer. Mass murderer. Again, that's the news this week. Um, a right wing fascist uh, mass murderer. <laughs> Anything else? What else? What, there what you the, go. <laughs> Not just any old run-of-the-mill um, just a murderer. Just a, a high, very high-profile mass murder. Yeah, well, the trial actually now. started this week, and that's that's where I, oh. I think Deer Spiegel came over here, as well as VG from uh, they Norway. They interviewed him in Worcester, right? Right. Did you notice where they interviewed him in the video? It was on fucking... It was on George... It. it. was on George Street. The challenge. Now we're going to have to edit the show. It was on George Street. It looks like it was actually on George Street, you know, for the, the, the classic... That's the street right for the, uh, the, the bike race uphill. Well, this is news you can get in the Telegram. Presumably you're getting this in the Telegram. So we're going to give you the, the other news that you can't get in the Telegram this week. That you have to piece together. Tomorrow, at 76 Webster Street at 6 o'clock, is a sweater polyathlon between Doug Slynn and Chris Humphrey. This is going to be various challenges, raising money for Stone Soup to determine who gets to wear a certain style of striped sweater that both men are partial to. Competitions <laughs> may include drinking a gallon of milk, maybe eating eggs, maybe eating cinnamon, possibly arm wrestling, hmm. foot race, we don't know. Saltines could be involved. Saltines, eating a lot of saltines. Anyway, if you want to see some guys do stuff that potentially is going to make them vomit and raise money for stone soup, 76 Webster Street, 6 p.m. Friday, <clears throat> sweater polyathlon, Doug Slynn versus Chris Sleepy C. Humphrey. Beer pong. You know, uh, we have a Facebook page. It's a thing passing by on your rear shoulder there. It's a, it's a train. Beer Pong. You know, we have a Facebook page. This is kind of interesting. There was actually this Beer Pong article in Worcester Magazine a couple months back. Mm-hmm. We have a Facebook page, and I was like, what should we talk about? And this guy, Eric England, says, you should talk about Beer Pong. And I say, really, Eric England, tell me about Beer Pong. And he writes a really long, interesting Facebook comment. I will excerpt part of it here because I find it fascinating. Worcester is sending a professional beer pong team to represent Central Mass in a huge tournament involving all of the East Coast. I, Eric England, am on the team along with nine other individuals. They play two to three tournaments a week taking place at Jillian's, etc. 
Some of us actually make it a part-time job, making a good $250 to $300 a week in organized tournaments. Anyway, this thing is going to be April 27th in East Hanover, New Jersey. You would be surprised, Worcester actually has a pretty large organized beer prong subculture. Well, I am surprised. I too am surprised, and Eric England, I would say to you that I am a old man, I've got a child and a mortgage, and I cannot play beer pong anymore. But uh, 20 years ago, that was one of those things I did for fun, and it warms my heart to know that something that I did for fun, uh, because I was drunk and stupid and trying to impress uh, young ladies uh, with things like quarters and beer pong, mm -hmm. uh, you have now turned into a, a way to make a living, and a legitimate way to make a living. Sure. And it's actually taking you on the road and seeing the world. God bless you. <laughs> East Rutherford, New Jersey. <laughs> I've never been to East Rutherford, New Jersey. Eric England has one up on me on that front. And, and for him, hat off. I am totally fascinated by this. This to me is Worcester, which is every day a new surprise. You know, whether it's the Fort Kid, whether it's organized beer pong, whether it's amazing cultural There could be a segue social here. Things. Whether it be the milkshake line at VegFest. Whether it be the milkshake line at the this tea is, party event in terms of raw numbers. This is actually the news of the week. This is actually the real news of the week. All right, so there's this thing about some guy talking about how, like, fascist mass murderers are cool. I'm not into this guy. I'm not into anybody involved in this. But this is a story you've read about. The real story is the VegFest. So Sunday is the day where the Tea Party has their rally in Worcester. Mm -hmm. And Did you go to the rally this year? I did not. So this is the thing. You always go to these Tea Party rallies to like just to, like, give them a hard time or see what the heck is going on. Even Brendan didn't go to the Tea Party Rally this year, but there were 300 people at the Tea Party Rally, which is something. You okay. need interesting people to provoke if you're going to be a provocateur. <laughs> okay. Well, meanwhile, the VegFest is happening the same day, which is why I assume that there was no organized thing against the Tea Party, because it's like, oh, there's already something cool going on today. That also happened. Let's go to that. And so, so far there's no official crowd estimate for the Worcester Vegetarian Food Festival. I'm going to guess there were at least 3,000 people there. Like, I'm pretty sure that there were at least 400 people at several of the talks, mm -hmm. and there were, this is like people who are willing to sit in a room for an hour. So what you're telling me is that more people are interested in what may or may actually be one of the most fringe aspects of American cuisine I'm that are that, interested in the tea party. I'm saying that at least 10 times as many people in Worcester are interested in going to a vegan event as a tea party event. That's powerful. I'm saying that the vegan milkshake line was potentially, at least it felt subjectively to me like it was 300 people. <laughs> I think it probably took as long to get the milkshake as the entire Tea Party event last. So what you're telling me is that uh, a vegan milkshake has a stronger chance of being our next president than a Tea Party candidate. This is possible. I don't know. So, I have to say one thing. I have to say one thing. This is turning into an adult, uh, a pitch for an adult swim uh, episode. But yeah, a, a milkshake actually carries more weight in American politics. People who watch this show know that among my many fringe, fringe convictions, such as being a Roman Catholic uh, and a Worcester resident, <laughs> I am also a longtime vegan. And I have to say, I think that this is because veganism to me, is, you may not like it, you may not want to do it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's a coherent and effective moral thing. Unlike the Tea Party. Unlike the Tea Party, which it Involved seems to me... Cats. Here's what I'm going to say to the Tea Party. And I, if Crocodile... We need to have some people from the Tea Party on the show. What's-his-face is always saying we should have Tea Party people on the show. One day we should do this. Here's, here's, my, here's, my, here's, here's my two concerns about this Tea Party thing. This Not Sunday. enough milkshakes. Not enough milkshakes is Three fine. things. 
milkshakes is fun. Is so first of all, you're having you have a thing called the tea. They do this every year. It drives me crazy. They have a thing called the tea party. Do they do they talk about not paying your taxes? No. Yeah. No, they don't talk about not paying your taxes. So that's a huge disappointment because that I don't know that that's effective, but that's at least pretty gutsy. And then the second thing is that like your main thing is like trying to elect Republicans. This is like the main course of effective action that I see the Tea Party going down. But if a vegan, you're saying, you know what? I don't want animals to suffer, so I'm just going to stop paying people to make them suffer on my behalf. I'm going to save whatever, a, you know, a few score animals a year just by that choice alone. That's fine. You're making some. If you're trying to get Republicans elected, in my opinion, is the only thing less effective than that in producing change is trying to get Democrats elected. Mm. Brandon Malligan. <laughs> Democratic operative. As, a, as, as someone who spent their entire evening eating nothing but animals, yes. um, uh, not only can I relate to the deliciousness of the food that you are pimping upon the rest of us, uh, but, in, uh, but also just simply that there is, in fact, some, something beautiful about, have, about not just standing for something, but actually taking that something and moving it off into the real world. Not just picking one arbitrary day a year to put on your tri-corner hat, hop on your jazzy uh, government-paid-for scooter, and ride around in circles talking about what an awful thing the federal government is. Ken Mandel, if you'd like to come on and, and tell us that we're wrong and that it's more than, more than hats and, uh, and, and, and jazzies. I tell you, I got a Happy whole show about Ken Mandel's media problems. Because you know what? It's like, the hat. The Boston, the Boston Globe article is basically like, oh, there's a rivalry in the, these two Tea Party groups. Which is, seems entirely based on the fact that when they called Ken Mandel and asked him about the other Tea Party group having a thing in Boston that day, he says something negative about them. And so you just hand them this on a plate. You know that they want to write bad stories about you. You know that this is the narrative that they want to do against you in the Boston Globe. And you just hand... Maybe you want them to do that. Maybe you've given up on the Boston Globe. And if Ken Mandel was uh, listening to uh, Jim Polito on a regular basis, as he should, uh, Jim Polito was telling you all the time, you do not answer the phone when reporters call you because they are all representatives of the liberal media and they are all out to get you. Just write your own script, man. You don't need to talk to the Globe. Make it happen, Ken. There's nothing good there for you, Ken. Make it happen. Don't, don't be on this. This is probably why you shouldn't be on the show, honestly. Um, Unless although, he brings the hat. Although we, we don't have very good editing skills on this show, so it's hard for us to excerpt what you say. And use it against you. All right. Well, okay. So the Tea Party. So surprisingly, I like the Veg Fest. I don't care about the Tea Party event. Did you file your taxes this year? I did file my taxes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Responsible of it. Yeah. I did as well. Did I ever tell you I went to the very first Tea Party thing in Lafayette Park in Washington, D.C.? I'd like it. I did. It's kind of wild. This is, like when, this is like back when they had all those teabag the president before he teabags you signs. Yeah. This and is really when it was just like guys on the stock market floor screaming about mortgage crises and whatnot. It was a rainy day. People had the tea bags around, but they were getting all wet and just laying in the Hanging park. Hanging from their ears, so they were actually making tea in the, in it was the weather. Like, it was kind of crazy. I talked to some nice people at that event, though. It's kind of like a weird sort of cloudy with a chance of meatballs, right? Where you could just walk around uh, walk around D.C. with a teacup, actually brewing your own tea from old ladies' ears. We're going to talk about something else. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't already stopped YouTube by now. You should have. Oh, we have so many good things. Stand Against Racism. So, you know the YWCA is not only a pro-woman organization, it's an anti-racist organization. And 3 p.m. April 27th on the Common, they're having a Stand Against Racism event. There's always things going on in this world that make people feel like it's time to speak out against racism. If you're, a, if you're at that point, 3 p.m. the Common, April 27th, not a bad, not a bad way to, to, uh, to get together and... Uh, Make do a public thing. It'd be interesting to see if there's more people with that than the Tea Party thing, actually. I don't know. Um, newspapers, I'm not going to talk about newspapers. You know, a guy on Main Street yesterday 
talked to me a whole bunch about uh, me being on WCCA with a detailed knowledge, and then asked me for five bucks. So I gave him five bucks. Who won? We both won. That's all that matters. He fed my ego, and I gave him five dollars. If you're watching this, thanks, man. Thanks for helping me with that. All right, are we going to talk about what else we got? I don't. I'm going to put off this thing about Twitter to the end if I can. Oh, the Paris Cinema marquee is down. That's kind of sad. I, you know, I got a lot of flack over the last couple uh, months. I was using a really not, what I found I thought was a nice picture of the Paris Cinema as my icon for or my for for Twitter. Sure. And uh, people didn't like that. I'm surprised how many people in Worcester actually, you know, just just viewed it as, as something that was ugly. I mean, it was a beautiful piece of, of Worcester history, like our early cinema days and whatnot. And whatnot. This is a movie. Th- this is a movie house on the common that, in its later years, became a uh, adult cinema. Sure. And then closed. And people didn't like that. But you know, the sign is gone, and I think we're all going to miss it. It was it was a little bit of color for that common. It definitely gave it a metropolitan feel. It's amazing to think that uh, you know we've gone out of our way to clean up the common, so to speak, and in the process of doing so it's now empty and devoid of life you think the Paris cinema brought life to the comic it brought somebody to the it comic. brought visual it life. brought living living creatures living human beings to the comic yeah there you go well anyway the Paris cinema marquee has been taken down it's the end of an era as they say oh it sounds like they're tuning up inside all right let's talk about twitter and the police chief we've been putting this off we're going to talk about it this week um so <clears throat> there have been many complaints about Police Chief, Chief Gary Jem in recent months. Uh, and probably the least important of these complaints has been the complaint about Twitter. But it's the complaint that's kind of the most interesting to talk about, or at least the most lighthearted complaint. That he's been posting stuff on Twitter that's been sort of obnoxious to people. Um, and so, you know, he's had his Twitter account, and then he sort of took his Twitter account down for a while, and then the city came up with a social media policy for his city employees, and he got his Twitter account back up. Are you smoking, too? I am, yeah. Smoking and drinking Just on the show. Just for tonight. This is great. Um, and uh, finally, he took the, finally, the Twitter account's gone. Finally, the Twitter account's gone. Apparently, the last... Yes. This is the problem. We're focused on Twitter. We shouldn't... Wait, so first of all, I've already... You didn't hear this because you were off getting a cigarette. Most of listening to I said that the most, this was not, this is the least important criticism of the chief is his Twitter issues. Right. But it, it's, it's remained the only criticism. And whether or not the criticisms of the chief are valid or not yes. has yet to be determined. The fact that we have an elected body in this city that has not found anything to openly criticize other than social media habits speaks volumes about their capacity to be critical of their own environment yes. and the world that they act with it. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd come out on the side of the chief in this one case and say, he, just like you or I, have First Amendment rights that overweigh any other policy or guidelines where the city can put, put in play. If people actually have a problem with the way he's doing his job on a day-to-day basis, they should be open and out front with those criticisms. They should not be concerned about the way he's making use of Facebook and Twitter. I think it's valid that we have a policy that ensures that our social media in in the city is reflecting um, state statute in terms of record keeping and whatnot, because they are all documents that need to be kept long term. Mm -hmm. But to actually critique the the language that's being used uh, and miss the bigger picture that it seems as though elected officials have an issue with an individual, but they're attacking all these accessory uh, 
aspects of this individual's yes. life as opposed to the day-to-day -day activities of the individual, which would take some sincere testicular fortitude to step up and say, here's a rational explanation as to what I see wrong going on in this administration, as opposed to, I don't like what he's saying on Twitter. I mean, half the time, I've looked at things that I've written on Twitter and said, my God, what is that jerk getting at? I'm going to unfollow you know? him. Yeah, yeah, myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about closing my own Twitter account because it's so outlandish and silly. Uh, it's missing the point entirely. There are serious big boy and girl conversations to be had regarding the police department in Worcester, in Boston, in every major city, because it's an important job and it's a, it's 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 a big responsibility. Very little of it actually is reflected in in the 140 character limit of Twitter. What about Instagram? Instagram's different. No, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, so, okay. It's, it's just dumb. You know, I mean, there's a lot of really serious conversations that need to be had yeah. in the city about the relationship between law enforcement and the general public. And, and there, it's not a critique of the men and women in, in Worcester law enforcement. It's a critique on, on, on law enforcement and authoritarianism at large in the United States of America. And a conversation we haven't had since the late 60s. Uh, we've just allowed something to continue. We focus on these little accessory things that just don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Here's my counter-argument to you. This, is, this show is 508. If, show we don't, if we don't talk and go into painful detail about the police chief sharing on his Twitter account, only four loco Worcester will be doing this. Can we leave this to them? No. This is our turf. Stupid stuff on social media. This is like one of our core skills on this show, in my opinion. You know, my, I, the one thing that I, I w would say is that... Uh, you may be the only person that I've met in this city who shares my passion for The Wire, and I take great pride in knowing that we can all rest comfortably uh, in the knowledge of who the Chief's favorite character from The Wire is, uh, for who, what, what the, his favorite storyline of The Wire is. These yeah. are the things that Twitter provided us. Uh, yeah. Sean Sutner never provided us this. Clive McFarlane never provided us. Has Sean Sutner seen The Wire? Never Has Sean Sutner seen The Wire? Who knows? Because he's not on Twitter has enough. Has Bruce Galtney seen The Wire? Beats me, not on Twitter enough. We'll the never chief, know. We know. But we won't know anything else. Here's the thing. i got to get into this. And here's why we got to get into this. I have no idea what the chief thinks of Portlandia because his Twitter account is closed. Aaron Draplin doesn't like Portlandia. <laughs> he says his skits are too long. I support Aaron Draplin. So here's the thing. This thing about the fact that people are getting upset about the chief on Twitter, kind of dumb. Although, you know, I can see, I can see some of the criticisms. But the way that he went out, the way that he went out was just pitch perfect. I salute everyone involved. His last tweet was a tweet complaining about Four Loco Worcester, first of all, which is amazing. Because they had written a thing talking about should the city be having all these new police recruits coming in because we have no money. Well, there's a long debate about that. And he says, for his last tweet, prediction follows this with his, with his signature two periods. Not technically Is it an ellipsis or a period? Nobody knows. And the thing is, he does this uniformly, so it's kind of awesome. People kind of love this. Prediction, dot, dot. Go local will go defunct before the new recruit class graduates, and the new officers will have a long and secure career with the WPD. And then, this, and then after this, he shuts down the account. He says to the Telegram, who, to their credit, have a whole article about this, mm -hmm with a ton of good quotes, which I'm going to read now. So good job, Telegram, for getting people to say stupid things on the record. The police chief says, none of, the, none of those tweets violated any policies. It was a personal account, and even if it was, it was a city account, no one has ever accused me of violating the city policy. 
plenty of people, first of all, have accused him of violating city policy or asked question if this was violating a city policy. It's possible that we actually have a policy only because people were concerned with yes. whether or not he was violating something that may not have actually been articulated yes. to that point. There, there, I mean, there was all. I mean, ninety percent of the time he had this Twitter account, there was no city policy. So technically, people may have been asking more like, "Is there? Isn't there a policy that he's probably violating it?" But there, he couldn't have been because there wasn't a policy. Rick Rushton, again, my hat off to everyone for just playing their roles in this. Rick Rushton says, I don't know if I want to read this whole thing, because the first quote is so beautiful. He says, it seems we are close to having the cosmic tumblers click into place. To which I can only respond. Rock and roll, Rick Rushton. (laughs) Then he continues, reading the tea leaves, making the metaphor more complicated and less coherent. It seems the manager disciplined the chief, making the chief accountable. This is a reading the tea leaves because nobody knows what. They all deny that this is what happened. For the last tumbler to click into place, the chief needs to appreciate his public comments were not suitable for someone holding the honor of being the police chief. What is this about the cosmic tumblers? Do you, do you think this was a phone? I think that he was talking about Tumblr, social media site. Could have actually been tied the to the Tumblr. Platform? Maybe he's actually. Maybe this is code for the chief <clears> that. Twitter was too limited. What you need is a Tumblr account. Well, I have to say, outspoken critic of the chief and occasional 508 panelist Jim Kirsten mm-hmm. had the perfect and best response by far, and very appropriately put it on Twitter, writing, just like Lester Freeman voluntarily shut down the wire. Good job, Jim. And then Go Local wrote a few articles about this and the telegram has stuff so if you really want to read this there's a ton of stuff i'm sure do you know anybody who has an archive of all the tweets uh no no well i no i don't at all nicole apostola probably has one of the best captures of all of them because she seemed to be doing screen grabs and what have you for making making use on her own website but we were thinking about having like a little like top 10 tweets thing in happiness pony except i don't really know what you would pick but this is an interesting thing like I, i like to think that we had more real-world conversations with the chief of police yes. via Twitter and some of his proxies as well than we actually had in the real world. And now it's gone. Well, like, you, you, I mean, you were able to ask him, like, clarifications on crime stats and stuff, and he was responding with He was answers. very responsive. I mean, and, and maybe this is part of the problem, that, you know, we've got uh, a clearly a relationship between the, the, the police department and, Great, and traditional right? media that isn't necessarily uh, positive, right? It, it, it hasn't been for a number of years. You know, maybe it's not that the wrong questions are being asked, but they're just not being asked in the right way. And you know, there was some really nice banter back and forth between individuals in the city and, and, a, and a high-ranking official within the city. And he seemed very open and genuine. I mean, it's, it's he would funny respond, because... He would respond very honestly to all kinds of questions. And as within well 140 as characters. He would respond to parody Twitter accounts appropriately. He yeah. definitely got the medium. We got more entertainment as well as legitimate knowledge via his Twitter account than I think we have from a lot of traditional news sources in a very short period of time. And in a way, I think it's sad that that wasn't allowed to take on a life of its own because I think most of us could agree there's one thing that the city of Worcester is missing and that's more real conversation. We all, you know, you and I sit here all the time on this camera, in this box, having these hypothetical conversations, trying to delve into the minds of people who aren't sitting here with us. These people seem willing to engage if we give them the opportunity to, and then we shut them down because we don't like what they're saying. I want to hear what they're saying. I don't necessarily have to agree, but it's nice to actually give people the opportunity to speak their minds and figure out a little bit more about who they are. That's gone now. 
Lester Freeman, shut it down. End of an era. End of an era. Thanks for watching the show. I don't know what anybody got out of the show this week. But <laughs> Probably not. I, got I apologize for that. I got a lot of it. I'll tell you, the Veg Fest was very impressive. Like, this Veg Fest is an all-volunteer thing. And, like, honestly, like, they bring, they had 65 vendors this year. And they seem to be posed to put a whole new spin on tax day. It was com- super, <laughs> let me tell you, it was super crowded. The vocational high school, parking was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. The place was packed for however many hours straight. Like, there was, like, for T. Colin Campbell of the China Studies spoke, it was, like, sitting room only. People mm-hmm. were sitting everywhere. I, like, was trying to, like, move this. I was videotaping these things, trying to move the camera around to get a better shot. Couldn't do it. Would be knocking people down if I tried to even move well, my Well, you know, off. if you're worried about camera angles, you should have gone down to Lincoln Square. There are plenty of great fucking shots uh. of uh, former Governor Johnson who was running as a libertarian candidate. Now, he had lots of things that he could have stood anywhere. Sure. I'm not going to rag on the Tea Party anymore because I don't care. But I just want to say that this business is great. It's an all-volunteer effort. They bring in, like, pretty much, like, top-notch vegetarian speakers. I guess I was telling people, like, oh, here's who the speakers are. And people who I know who are actually veg- actual lifelong vegetarians sure. are like, I don't know who you're talking about. So maybe there's no demand for these speakers, which is why they're easy to get. But Let me ask you a question, yeah. a totally serious question. Yeah. It's oftentimes hard to figure out where you stand in the grand scheme of things when you're inside something. Yeah. I wasn't there, but the yes. way you're describing VegFest, it sounds like a very large thing that yes. a lot of people were interested in took place. Yes. Does that say something about like the 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 scene in in that world in Worcester that we might in Worcester it not necessarily be keyed bizarre. into because we're inside of it? It was bizarre. Like, is there something bigger I don't here know happening is, that we might not necessarily <clears throat> be able to put our finger on the pulse of? Like being in a room with. I'm going to say 500 people. This could be an exaggeration. Certainly 350 people. Hearing them sit still for an hour listening to somebody, not just talking about vegetarianism. And those are only the people sitting veganism. still. Right. And there are other people who are maybe drifting in and out in the background, and then there were hundreds and hundreds of others wandering in out through the doors. Just eating food. What is this doing right. going on in Worcester? Right. Like, one of the people, one of the one, one person who's involved with the VegFest was... Like their take on this and their message for other people in other cities is like, if Worcester can put on a vegetarian festival, this is like a city which doesn't have it. I mean, Worcester though, you know what, Worcester, anyway, if Worcester can put on a vegetarian festival, if you want to put on a vegetarian festival, don't come to Worcester. Put on your own vegetarian festival. Because like, I don't know, it, it does say that there's like a pent up desire for this kind of a thing. Worcester has good vegetarian, Worcester has a lot of vegan restaurants. Did you know this? From being on the show once or twice. Like, I'm serious. Like, like seriously. Like, like people who like are like do like do the rounds of uh, people who do the rounds of like these vegetarian conventions. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Say, say, like, no, they literally, like, very kindly, they'll say, like, why is it that Worcester has more potential? Possibly, Worcester has more vegan restaurants than Boston, or at least it has a comparable number. I may be wrong about this, but Worcester has like four vegan restaurants, three vegan restaurants. You could probably find just about any scene, though, and say that same thing about Worcester. And oftentimes, we don't give ourselves the credit we're we're due uh, for each and every one of those aspects of life. And I think a lot of it is because we're so inside it all that we don't recognize how awesome it is. This may be true. This may be true. I don't know. I mean, I would like to see... uh, I don't know, but you know, I mean, this is why I talk about this veg fest so much. Is just to get get across to people who weren't there, who wasn't on their radar. Like, there was like a big vegetarian deal in Worcester. You may not care about vegetarianism. There was like a gigantic event put on entirely by volunteers of like thousands of people in Worcester. How much today. coverage did that get from the Telegram? Oh, they had a really good article previewing it. Kathy Kathy Freston, who was one of the um, one of the speakers, has does incredibly good advanced media. Did Globe work. cover it. Uh, no, the Globe doesn't cover it, but it's not really a Boston Globe thing. I mean, the, the Boston has their own vegetarian festival. 
But they covered I think this Lincoln is every Square. bit as good. They covered Lincoln Square because they wanted to write mean things about the Tea Party being divided. Who doesn't want to write mean things about the Tea Party divided? <laughs> can Can Man Can Mandel? Ken Mandel wrote the mean things about the <laughs> no. Tea Party being divided. He's the one that created the division. All I'm going to say is, I feel like there's a connection. I mean, if Ken would this... just ante up and be a good misogynist like the rest of the Tea Party, this wouldn't be an issue. We wouldn't have any division. Are you? Is, you saying Ken Mandel is a misogynist? No, I'm saying the rest of the Tea Party is, and he's not getting locked up with his people. Get with the program, my friend. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't care about the Tea Party. I care about the fact that Worcester has this like amazing vegetarian scene going on. It has this amazing beer pong scene going on. Like, Worcester, I'm not going to say Worcester's anything, Worcester is posed not. right now to put forth a vegetarian candidate for president with a beer pong playing vice president lineup. What other and the Tea Party say has that? nothing. Don't stop nothing talking about the this. Tea Party. I'm not talking about the Tea Party. I'm talking about all these great <laughs> things and comparing them to the thing that gets all the attention, is what I'm doing. I'm done. Tri- it's the tri corner hats. It's the tri You know what I think hats. it is? Here's what. Do you think, here's the theory. Do you think that the reason that the Telegram covers the Tea Party a lot, like, kind of likes to write mean things about the Tea Party sometimes, is because of this whole Bircher thing? If they kind of feel mad as Birchers, you know, it's kind of, I mean, they're always, like, their Bircher heritage mm-hmm. is threatened by this new kid on the block Tea Party thing? Uh, no, I actually think, uh, I think quite the Not opposite. Not that they're all Birchers, but nonetheless. No, no, I think quite the opposite. It is, they feel as though the Tea Party is the only thing that could actually lend any cred- uh, credibility to their Bircher past. You know what? I'm glad that we just... Like the phoenix, it will rise up as a result of this new aging movement. And they're going to be able to cash in. They're going to cash in. They're going to pivot. They're Finally, gonna... comes full circle. I love this. I'm glad that we talked about the John Burke Society at the end of this show today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Brendan Milliken, cigarettes and alcohol. This is what happens. Thank you for watching this program. This is 508 to Show About Worcester. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.